This is a Detail Podcast. Captain's Log, Stardate 6482.6. We've just started recording another episode of the podcast. Pale has not yet joined the session, and we don't know if he's planning to. The rest of us have our beers ready, Audacity is updated, and we're prepared to discuss the topic at hand. These are the podcasts of the Digo Enterprises. Our continuing mission, to explore strange new beers, to geek out on movies and video games, to boldly drink up and geek out like no one has done before. Today, we're celebrating the 40th anniversary of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Hello and welcome to Drinkin' Geek Out, a show where we drink beer and geek out. I'm your host, Security Officer Dustin the Duke, who's probably going to die later this episode. <laughs> alongside me is... Uh, Saf, also in a red shirt, and along with me is... Keith, and I'm lost in space, and with me is... <laughs> Pale, and I'm trying to find Keith. I just keep <laughs> searching and searching, and I have no luck. We have a special guest on this episode as well. My wife, Allison. Allison of Borg. Today's episode is featuring beer from Junk Ditch Brewing Company and Bell's Brewery. And we are talking about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. All right. Our beer. I want to say new brewery alert, but uh, <laughs> we haven't had Junk Ditch on the show in a long time. I think we've had like maybe one, if not at maybe all. Maybe one. Um, but they started canning. But as Pale and I were kind of talking, they don't advertise. Um, I really didn't know they canned and actually labeled their stuff because even during the pandemic, there wasn't much out there that I could find. Um, but apparently they did. And yeah. Anyway, long story short, we have Junk Ditch Starlight. Uh, coming in at 6.3% ABV and 45 IBUs, which is the John Wayne tribute, the 45 caliber pistol. This beer is audacious dark roasted coffee and chocolate flavors are prominent, yet do not outshine brilliantly illuminated malt creaminess and earthy, earthly hop finish. Oh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> what is a lot of adjectives. Earthly. Earthly. <laughs> I never heard that one before. Yeah, Earthly. Like, I just, you know. Like a nutty. Earthy grassy, tones. Yeah. yeah. It's grassy. just a strange yeah, word. Grassy. Muddy. Yeah, earthy, not earth ill. Earthly. Yes. Earthly. <laughs> could be. Like earthly. You know he reads whatever's on the teleprompter. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's one I didn't make. Otherwise, I would have caught that. Somebody else put that one in there. All right. Let's look at the. I just I just copied oh, it from Untapped, so Some blame that whoever idiot. wrote their description. Uh, as I said, Junk Ditch actually makes their own labels now. Um, before, I think the last time I had it was like Cafe Bamba, I think was the only one that we had from that, and it was just a plain silver can. This one is actually really cool looking. Um, you see the little starlight. Mm -hmm. Looks like it's got the little moon. Right there. Mm, yeah, yeah right by the And it is... I like the text. It's kind of yeah, sci-fi sci text. Yeah. It's got all the information there on the side. The American Stout, 6.3%, 45. And then you flip it over, and it's a beautiful picture of the night sky. I don't know if that's outside of their place or where this is from exactly, but 
You see the little junk ditch logo there on the side. So it's all in all a beautiful can. Very simple, straightforward. Starlight, mm-hmm. and that's what you get. So looking up at the night sky. It's right on the nose. It's well done. I feel like that'd be a good like contact episode yeah. beer. Oh, yep. <laughs> it needs to be like a little telescope like or something at the bottom here. That'd be cool. I wonder how they took that picture. Whenever I take a picture of the night sky, it's just like nothing yeah. else. You have to have a really fancy camera <laughs> with a really long exposure. Long exposure. That's Yeah. yeah. And you got to be away from all the city lights to get that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Out in the country somewhere. But yeah, cool can. Do they have a lot of uh, city lights on Main Street? I would imagine being towards remember. the downtown area, there would be quite a few lights. There's that gas station that's pretty yeah. lit up. That's true. Bright. There's like a pizza place or something on the corner and then the... The O'Sullivan's right mm-hmm. there as well. Behind their yeah. building, though, they have a pretty good size like field, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because like, I remember the parking before it was developed when it was just all like gravel. Pretty sure they have a pretty good size field, so they might be able to get like a good shot out there if they had a nice camera. But mm. that's true. If if you face away from downtown, you might get black yeah. sky. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well done on the can. It's beautiful. Mm. All right. See, this beer is dark. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> I know, Space. The final frontier. Space. The final front beer. Well, this should be a pretty easy one to pick, because I'm not getting... Just piss off all the Star Trek fans and say K2SO. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's Vader's face. <laughs> it's Vader Black. I'm not getting much on the rim around. It's like dark, dark. What do you think, pal? Yeah, I'm, I think like uh, Men in Black or Xenomorph in Space. I was thinking the Xenomorph, yeah, Xenomorph in space since it's Starlight. It's a good reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Enterprise in space, like Enterprise in space with the lights <laughs> off, <laughs> <laughs> with the power off. It's a Klingon vessel that's cloaked. Actually, that's right. Bird of prey. I mean, it can be Romulan. Yeah. They're cloaked too. Yeah. I can never remember one's Warbird and one's Bird of Prey, and I can never remember which one's which. Romulan Warbird, Klingon Bird of Prey. That's what I thought. On the nose, we get Roasty. What else do you get, Pale? I'm getting the Earthy Hops. Earthly. Earthly. earthly I have to say Earthly. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we changed it. I mean, that's what's in the description. We're stuck. We have to say Earthly like every episode now. Until the edit goes through, (laughs) it's Earthly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you're right there are some definitely earthly hops in there mm-hmm. um but that roastiness uh i don't want to quite say chocolatiness but i'm sure that's in there too yeah because it's not very sweet it's not a sweet smell no it's a pure Roasty, roasty smell. earthly um a little bit of chocolate not no coffee no any coffee coffee hopply <laughs> that's good it's p- super smooth uh, i know it said it was 6.3 but i think it drinks like a four percent like three to four percent it's yeah, just it's... so it just goes right down it doesn't really there's like no burn to it Mm-mm. it's just i mean it as it says basic american stout um kind of reminds me more of a porter 
Um, mm-hmm. Almost like an Irish stout. It's a little bit dry. Mm-hmm. It's not really full bodied, but it is 6.3. So it's not like too light, but you're right, pale. It does go down pretty smooth. I know a lot of people, this would turn them off because it's a traditional stout. Uh, it's very roasty. Uh, the dark tones, you get that bitterness that lingers in the back of the tongue The with the, the roasted flavor that goes with it. Just that nice, burnt, dark flavor beer that I love so much. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there's not much that stands out. Kind of straightforward. When I drink it, I think of the uh, Black and Tan by Yingling for some reason. Okay. That's kind of with more like the like the roasty lightness it leans more towards that yeah that's a an amber and a porter mixed together i believe is their two beers that okay. they use to create that one but you're right it has a little bit of that the hoppiness that i suppose you would get or maybe the maltiness uh from the amber mm-hmm. kind of mixing in with it a little bit there but it says in the description the malt creaminess it's a little cream i would imagine but not like sweet, but definitely the head. Pale, how was the head when you poured it? Mine, my glass. It was, yeah, it was like two, three inches of head. Okay. Some of these like, pictures I see on Untapped have crazy amounts. Okay. I don't know if it was a bad pour. That's what I kind of figured. The beer. Well, I'm not sure if the beer was bad because when I went to the, when I went to pick this up yesterday, uh, the bartender, I saw an updated list. It was different from what they had online. I said, you still have Starlight? He goes, uh, I think we have a couple left. So it goes to tell me that it's probably been here a while, um, that they've offered it for quite some time, mm. if they only had a couple of them left. But still, it's a stout. You keep it refrigerated. I think it did say on the side of the can, it is unpasteurized, keep cold, drink fresh. Which um, I did keep it cold, so it should be fine. But I know that could be part of the process as we've had that experience with some of these darker beers with the head, a lot of head. Mm-hmm. Um, they're typically a little bit older. But yeah, good basic stout. Is there anything on, on untapped? I wasn't sure if there was anybody that even drank this. There are only 89 ratings and uh, it's a 3.74 average. So it's not too bad, but very low ratings, which is not a surprise. I have zero friends. Out of 84 people, I didn't know a single one. Damn shame. And of all the check-ins, I do not see anybody actually write anything. So these are all my type of people. <laughs> I'm guessing all, our all friend Dustin's. Stout Boss. Yes, I was going to say I have one friend, Mr. He's Stout Boss, coming in here. What did he say? Because I don't have him. Oh, he says, roasty with a velvety body. And he gave it a 3.25. I mean, I can understand the 3.74. It... It is pretty basic, so. I did find one. Uh, this check-in was um, December 4th, 2021. So I wonder if it's the same batch as yours since you've had it for a while, or they've had it for a while. Um, Tyler B. says, uh, center right, nice and smooth, sweet, rich, roasty coffee. I don't know if he's, like, telling you where his... Uh, um, his seat at the bar is so he can get like a hookup or something, but <laughs> center yeah. right. Yeah. He's uh, yeah, he, he gave it a four. I was going to say there's one by Zach M who just said, there is no light here oh. and gave it a three. <laughs> I was like, okay. Just anticipating a light beer. Jeez. <laughs> uh, Frank V, uh, a straight American stout 
What a nice change. Yummy, well done. Gave it a four. Um, Ashley F. Oh, yeah. Kool-Aid man walked through here. This is definitely it. Smooth, heavy, and bold. I love stouts. 4.75. A bunch of neck beards on here. (laughs) Oh, just the same neck beard. Taking pictures of himself, checking things in. I had to go back all the way to 2020 to find David P., uh, chocolate auburn color, medium creamy head, Guinness smell, dry, light, roasted barley taste, smoky carapples finish. And give it a four and a half. I think crapples or whatever the hell that word is, is the malt they used. I'm in 2020 as well now. Shells. Shells with the last name of S. Solid. Sometimes you stick to the basics and it's still good. A four. I see a bunch of low ratings. I wish they would have written stuff. Yeah, what? Can't imagine. Too too heady? Yeah. It tastes brown. <laughs> <laughs> um, I gave this one a 3.5. I said very smooth. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to rate your app right now. <laughs> oh, that does your check-in smooth oh god damn it well they realized you love grading stuff so much so they they, they pulled hey. a fast one on me and i <laughs> was trying to get out of it and then it took me to an email to write a review about the app okay i gave it a 3.5 said very smooth and roasty the earthy hops are more present in the nose nothing too special drinks like a three or four percent so it was very like a lot of people are saying it was very basic and straightforward, um, nothing too overpowering. I don't know if I would describe it as bold, like one person said. Um, as it, as I drank it more and more, it was just like light, kind of losing a little bit of the the stout um, flavors, but um, it was pretty well done. Like it just wasn't anything that I would probably seek out again. I gave this a 3.75. I said a good basic stout that's easy drinking and very roasty. I love the roasty back end that lingers with a bit of the earthly hops (laughs) that lingers. (laughs) A classic stout that is delicious, slight chocolate taste too. Would love a few variants of this uh, base beer. If they use this as an awesome base beer and start putting in bourbon barrel age, start putting in maple, start putting in all sorts of whatever is out there. You can do so much with this. Um, but honestly, it's quite refreshing to go back to a very basic stout. And it, this reminds me of why I love stouts in the first place. Cause a lot of people jump on the stout bandwagon just because it's got thin mint cookies or, you know, it's got some funky thing to it. This is what a true stout is a little bit earthy, a little bit hoppy, uh, roasty, malty, chocolatey goodness, um, that just kind of lingers. Uh, and I, I love that. I, I, it's been a while since I've had a good classic stout, so well done. All right, and the beer that we have in front of the three of us here is the Bell's Brewery, uh, which is not a new uh, brewery, but we haven't had them on in, I don't know, six years, it seems. Long time. Uh, this one is the Expedition Bourbon Barrel Aged Stout. Right, bourbon barrel aged expedition stout. It is a Russian imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels. 
That is 13.4 ABV uh, and in unsure IBUs, which, you know, whatever. Par for the course. Usually don't get a whole lot of IBUs for stouts. Happy you guys did, though. This 12-month barrel-aged version of our award-winning expedition stout thirsts for travel, but is perfectly content to sit in your cellar, maturing until you're ready. The tough part? Deciding if you want to enjoy it now or wait until later. You can't go wrong either way. How about a five-month expedition? Or five-year expedition? There you go. (laughs) And then you drink it afterwards. For space. If it's bourbon barrel, that's got to be good. The longer it sits, the just yeah. more intense just, it gets. Uh, put it in your cellar mm-hmm. and then go on your expedition and then come back to it. Can they build a cellar on the Enterprise? Holodeck it. Holodeck <laughs> There can be anything on the Enterprise as long as there's a holodeck. All right. All right. Here is the bottle. The glare from the computer screen might uh, not be helpful for you guys. Uh, but it I think is, it's on untapped. Yeah, it looks like a, a wooden table with a compass in the middle of it or some kind of design, if you will. Yeah. So it's like they're on a boat. If I didn't know it was expedition, <laughs> I would think it's like stained glass. Oh, yeah, and I could see that. It does kind of look like stained glass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. But based on the fact that it's supposed to be yeah. like expedition-y, I would think like old ship. Yeah, that so makes more sense. This is literally what I was going for. Like, this mm-hmm. is like in the captain's. Uh, it's a starship. And you're... Yeah. I was thinking like carved in the deck. Oh yeah. You know, like yeah. I like that the like, cap even has like that little desk. guy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. This is going. This is oh, that's cool. going right into my collection of caps. I'll tell you what. It's a unique New York. All right. <laughs> but that's about it. I mean, we, it's a glass bottle. It's a brown bottle. Um, only 60% of the bottle has a label on it. Uh, and the neck, it has the little wrap around to say that this came from Comstock, Michigan. Uh, so it's an out beer. Sorry, fellas. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess only like 30% of the bottle is the actual label. The other part is just like the warning message labeling stuff. Like this beer is independent. Blah, blah, blah. Don't drink when you're pregnant. Blah, blah, blah. Health risks. Blah, blah, blah. blah. And it's got, like, the stuff you read is on there, too, which is nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's Uh, the bottle. The beer is probably just as black as yours. If not blacker, if that was possible, if you didn't go the blackest (laughs) option. We could jump back to MIB. There is a brown head to it, but that's just, like, the only color that we have. Yeah, exactly. The rest of it is just straight up, like... Into darkness. That's a good one. Is is (laughs) yeah into into darkness. I was gonna say space, the final frontier. (laughs) I was going with the Kelvin timeline. Yeah, Yeah. and that is the Khan movie. Mm -hmm. That's very very fitting. Uh Mm Ah So into the darkness, sixty-one ish because it's dark. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Coined it. Add it to the list. Yeah, you smell some of that bourbony barrel smell. Yeah, mm. I smell chocolate. Yeah, it's sweet too. It's not yeah, just straight alcohol definitely. content. Yeah, I wonder what the um, what the uh, expedition stat reads. I'm going to look that up real quick while you describe what you're smelling on your nose. 
Yeah, definitely alcohol, like almost fingernail polish remover <laughs> smell. I could, yeah. <laughs> a little Strong. bit, but sweeter than that. It's not just yeah, like straight like acetone. If you ignore <laughs> like the chocolatey in the coffee notes and yes. just focus on that. Yeah. So in the original uh, pre-bourbon barrel aging of it, it says a huge malt body is matched to a heady blend of chocolate, dark fruits, and other aromas. Thanks for the description of other aromas. I was trying to be <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. trying to be helpful and bring some stuff in, but oh well, that's fine. Additional yeah, other smells. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Yeah. I had no I idea. I can't really tell like what fruit they're referring to. Yeah, I was like, what is it considered a dark fruit? Like a prune? Like dates? Prunes? Yeah. But it, I don't know. It's not that. It doesn't smell juicy like any uh, raisins. I was going to say yeah. raisins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean grapes? No, I mean raisins. Uh, maybe. Yeah. As they say other aromas. So I don't. I just. I was thinking maybe more so than on the nose and the mouth. But I guess we'll just see if I can taste the fruit. Definitely taste the alcohol. Yeah. Wow. Whew. But it's also sweet, like as Allison was saying. Yeah. That is a. Thirteen percent right there. A hitch in the back of the throat, like the back of the mouth. Mm-hmm. But the sugar in the front is very strong. But like, yeah, when you like get it up towards like the back of your palate, like when it starts to get to the back of your throat, where you get it up your nose, and you're like, oh yeah, I had nose hairs there once. Nope, anymore. <laughs> yeah. Get a little bit of that burns the again. nostrils. <laughs> Just a touch. It's not as like intense as all of the um, beard taxes. Those are like oh, a lot for sure. stronger than this, mm. but yeah. it's still got a little bit of that. Since we know Keith is a fan, it's not quite that <laughs> level, but it's it's close. A little bit. Ugh, yeah. I'm very jealous. A little tingle on the tongue. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, like if I made a a bourbony drink and used like chocolate in there somehow, or like chocolate bitters instead of like regular bitters. Like I could see myself replicating this drink. Yeah, I just don't a know coffee, what fruit I would need to add to it. A coffee with like more chocolatey notes. Mm-hmm. It's got to be something relatively weak because I don't really get fruit as much as I get just like general like natural sweetness. Mm-hmm. So it might be something as simple as like a fig or a date. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not a lot of like heavy flavors, but it's got a nice like mm-hmm. calming undertone. I totally agree. Like, yeah. I just had my first fate. Was it a date or a fig? I think it was a date at a charcuterie board in uh, Rochester. So I know what dates taste like. And I don't, this doesn't taste like that, but it's the sweetness is kind of very similar to that. I think it would, yeah, because those aren't like uh, like uber strong flavors, right? So it'd yeah. be like in there, but you wouldn't necessarily be able to identify it. Yeah, it's definitely not gritty like a, a date is. It's pretty smooth uh, for being 13%. It's smooth, but there's also a burn. Which is the best things. <laughs> I'm also getting like a, like a brown sugar. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. That'd be good. Because this is a popular beer. Mm-hmm. Um, untapped out of 23,000 check-ins, there are 16.6 thousand rankings, and it comes in at a 4.43 total. That is crazy. 4.43. That's yeah. high. That's Yeah. yeah that's, a, that's very high. For 23,000 for 23, check-ins at a 4.43, yeah. that's high. <laughs> that's huge. There's a lot of fives yeah. in that. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of fives. And in fact, speaking of fives, we have a lot of people. Uh, I have a lot of people that have checked this in. 
um, as friends. And one that we all share is Christian D. He gave this. He says, this is a per- this is perfection. Just incredible. He drank the 2016 bottle and gave it a perfect five. Yeah, he yeah. drank it in 2018, a couple of years after yeah. the release. After it aged. Then we have the Better on Draft podcast. Um, they really didn't rank this, at least that particular check-in. They did a couple different ones here. They didn't give it a ranking, but they just uh, caught up on some posts while they were in quarantine, so they were drinking this. But yeah, Christian D also checked it in and gave it a 4.75, so I don't know what version. Thick, rich, smooth chocolate brew, one of the best bourbon barrel aged around. That was in 2019, so that must have been a different version. He didn't specify which one, but he didn't like it as much. And... Good old Stout Boss coming in. Taste the bourbon barrel aged and vanilla. Hashtag Stout Boss. And he only gave it a four. Vanilla. Vanilla. (laughs) I have one friend. Or I have five friends total, but you covered one of them. Uh, I have friend Tom Callahan, who is a coworker of mine. He said, really good, delivers, and strong ABV but maybe not as worth it as some BA stouts gave it a four and a quarter. I guess we failed to mention too. cat checked it in, but she ranks everything high. Uh, she gave it a 4.75. Yeah. This, um, this four pack was $27. Not surprised with the 13 and a half percent beer. Yeah. Those are usually more expensive. Yeah. The one year bur- uh, barrel age process. It's pretty intense. Yeah couple other people checking it in here we got kent f smooth tasty a little boozy may need to save the rest for later if i can wait give it a (laughs) 4.25 jay burr says this fine barrel aged russian expedition stout ended up aging longer than expected waiting for maripil to finally fall worth it gave it a perfect five Ooh, it is a good one uh delirium t says thick dark and opaque Rich in velvety, the flavor of co- cacao nibs and hazelnut like imperial richness. Just coats the tongue and stays there. It's bourbon notes on the nose, the intake, and the aftermath. <laughs> like, how do I not give this a five? It is perfection. Perfect five. Damn. I need to go buy this. Like, they call it the aftermath? Yeah. <laughs> really good. <laughs> like, was this a bomb? I mean, I guess. A flavor bomb. <laughs> A boozy bomb. Yes. Fire all phasers. Deliciousness. (laughs) Ooh, somebody has this in a can. What? This guy picked it up in a can, probably in the tap room. That's what it looks like. Oh, yeah. It looks like Mm. a crowler or whatever. Yeah. I didn't think they would sell that. But it's expensive. Well, it says it's a 16-ounce can, judging by the way his hand's wrapped around it. This this dude's got big hands. (laughs) Tiny can. Big man, just look baby cans for babies. <laughs> I got mine checked in if we're ready to move along. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. we checked in over here as well. All right, I gave it a four and a half, and I said the sweet chocolate and brown sugar flavors do their best to match the 3.4%, but it's still very much prevalent and very much delicious. I am, I, I love it. Uh, I, it's hard to say what I would change to make it a five because it's damn near perfect. Uh, maybe just tone down the booziness a little bit to just 
stick with those sweeter, sweeter chocolatey coffee notes. But overall, it's it's amazing. I too gave it a four and a half. Imagine that. Me and Saf getting even the same rating. That's unheard of. <laughs> we all need to play Ring Around the Rosie because we're all hand holding. Oh, we're hand holding over here too. Yeah. Hand holding. I also gave it a four and a half. Yeah. Ooh. The whole reason why. I- I wouldn't have given this a five, I think, is because the simple fact that we can actually think of things that would make this better or yeah. could make this better. If that w- if that element wasn't there, it probably would be a five. But, like, they have the chocolate. Maybe add a little bit of vanilla in there. Yeah. Uh, don't turn down the alcohol burn, but maybe mask it a little bit. Maybe, I don't know, uh, maple flavoring. You know, if, if we could think of variants that would ma- be, like, amazing – then, you know, let's go. I gave it a four and a half, and I'm going to state the exact opposite reason that you guys stated, because <laughs> it's supposed to be Imperial. And I don't get Imperial. This is too sweet to be Imperial. Mm-hmm. And it's not what it's labeled as. If you were going to tell me this is pastry or whatever else, sugary dessert stout, you want to call it? Sure. But this is supposed to be Imperial. I'm supposed to be feeling that Fair. like intensity. I don't yeah. get that here. I would... If you labeled this differently, I would say, yes, add vanilla, add maple, add sugar, keep going, like make it even more intense because then I can let it sit and it'll get more boozy. Um, But this is not as expected based on the label of it being called Imperial. Nice. Hmm. I think Imperial only applies to the amount of alcohol. I believe so, yeah. So anything over a certain percentage is given that title. It doesn't really. Yeah, but it's a like technically it's a Russian imperial though. That's like mm-hmm. its own little like blanket. Yeah, but I agree. Like it doesn't mention that how sweet it is going to be, so it it should probably point that out. Yep, agreed. That's good. You get some mm-hmm. old Rasputins up in this house. There you go. <laughs> that's what I was expecting though. Like that's more yeah. like when you say Russian imperial, I'm thinking like that intense, not like the sugary. Right. That, that's Maybe why that's I, just I agree. a poor sample, but. That's what I would expect. All right. I think we can move on to the Wrath of Khan. While we get the next beer ready, I just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DrinkInGeekOut. You can also check out our show notes and other fun stuff on our website, DrinkInGeekOut.com. You can also email us any comments or suggestions at DrinkInGeekOut at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Patreon where you can get some fun bonus content that is patreon.com backslash drinkingeekout. And now, back to the show. Well, first, a little bit of history, maybe to point out, that goes in before jumping into this major motion picture. So the first encounter with Khan was on Star Trek Season 1, Episode 22, The Space Seed, which aired February 16th, 1967. And it really sets up a lot of the backstory of the eugenics war, the the second uh, or the third world war and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but that took place in what, like 90... But like ne- between like ninety ninety two and to ninety six like, or whatever yeah. is what they they just say in the nineties generally. Yeah. But yeah, that's what they're alluding to that there would have been a eugenics war that would have happened. You know, I would have probably been a eugenics baby. I would have been <laughs> older, yeah, based on my birthday. 
I could have had all the things. God dang it. I could have been tall. <laughs> yeah. You could have been a strong maniac attempting to. I mean, I could be a czar. I'm strong like that. I've got the bullheadedness. I think I could handle it. Like, give me a country. I'll figure it out, man. (laughs) Put me on an island. I think they were pretty spot on uh, with the whole eugenics thing because there was that huge, like, like cloning and all that stuff yeah. going to happen. The, the whole the eugenics thing. Thing. conversation yeah. between like the late '80s yeah. and like the early 2000s, like that entire time period, like, and they're predicting this in the '60s. Yeah, and unfortunately, it wasn't like eugenics war as they describe it as making a better human race. It was more of eliminating right. a certain race. Right. Right. Uh, but I mean, it was I mean, that was already happening, right? Yeah. So that's the thing is like. Eugenics was already happening at Ellis Island during the time period that this was being filmed. So, like, it's not, like, a topic that's, like, future-facing as much as it's a current issue that we're still dealing with that wasn't popularized until later. So, like, that's the, like, beautiful thing about Star Trek, right? Like, it predicts certain things, but it also, like, deals with important topics as they're happening. Mm Mm-hmm. Even that goes into, like, the current shows are, like, talking about the january 6th riots and stuff like in the new mm-hmm. shows that are on paramount plus yep uh but that happened in the 90s it was basically selective breeding and a genetic altering to make yeah. super humans um and then it's like anti-captain uh, america's right, <laughs> right yep. pretty much <laughs> uh and uh i guess Khan was like the big leader and he took over uh, Australia and Asia or something like that. He took over most of Asia and Southeast Asia, like that whole like you're thinking like Thailand, China, like that whole region. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And they talk about a lot about like uh, Australia being a kind of prison island or something and that's where Botany yeah. Bay comes from. Yeah. It's like back to like when you're talking about like England colonizing the world, Mm -hmm. right? That's the same idea of, like, the state of Georgia used to be a penal colony for the United States for the 13 colonies, right? It's Australia was that for England. They ran out of room in England, so they just sent them all to this, like, random, like, hellscape, right? Because you have all the the animals that want to kill you, and they're all, like, extra large, and most of it is desert and, like, (laughs) all that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then it even... Uh, all this con stuff even seeps into Picard season twos, which I will spoil the end of, unless there's objections. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we find out that Dr. Adam Soong, who is played by Brent Spiner, is somehow connected to the con project. And uh, like his offspring is named dr noonian singh or something like that and he's the one that builds data in the next generation so all that shit is all connected right okay <laughs> can i put my headset back on now yeah <laughs> yeah we're good now <laughs> i haven't watched it yet because i'm waiting for more of it to come out because i'm just gonna binge the whole thing at once and i'm on i'm a part of like multiple like there's Star Trek shit posting and there's Star Trek wholesome posting on Facebook. Yeah. I'm a part of both of those. Mm-hmm. So I was like seeing spoilers for Picard and Strange New Worlds. And I was like, no. So Strange New Worlds is really to... good. Picard's not very good. 
But that's all I'll say She's about it. She's still going to watch it, though. I'm definitely, I'm going to watch, I think third season is supposed to be the final season, and I'm super excited for it, even though I didn't like season yeah. one or two very much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for it all, so I can just, like, yeah. binge it multiple times in a row, so I can be like, but I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened with all the other ones. Like Discovery and, or like the older ones. Yeah. So I binged, so I don't even remember. I was going to ask you before we started recording, but I was like, when did I ask you to actually, like, when did I finally say, like, I'm over the fact that I have, like, attributed Star Trek to, like, high school drama, and now I want to watch them all? Because you <laughs> and I watched all of the new J.J. Abrams ones. Right. And then I was like, okay, yeah, this is pretty cool. I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch being Khan, now that I know better, is like completely offensive but <laughs> that don't oh well the thing is they try to do like this weird twist and they keep saying like this no he's not con like in all the trailers and stuff before the movie came out and then it's like fooled ya he is con it's like who, who cares <laughs> like either like why like, hide that he's, he's supposed to be like southeast asian and a ski yeah like well it's weird that Ricardo Multibon is him too. He's got like the weird brown paint on his he's face. Mexican, so... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's... <laughs> he's supposed to be he's supposed to be from India, I think. <sighs> yeah, he's supposed to be like, yeah. That's terrible. Of Asian descent, <laughs> but also a ski. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very specific, like religious and like cultural basis and you give me a mexican man which i mean whatever <laughs> if you're gonna give me a mexican dude and pretend like he's not that's i mean fine but at least stick with it can i read the plot and then you guys just talk <laughs> yeah i was but she opened up a good uh, discussion i know well, no that's i didn't great. get in i didn't get into star trek until the jj abrams movies and then yeah. i enjoyed those Same. and then like maybe four years ago is when i started binging the older stuff and caught all the way up through like deep space nine Voyager and all that stuff. And yeah, now I'm all caught up on the current stuff too. Yeah. I'm not caught up all the way on the current stuff, mostly because I like to binge things. So I can't like just wait for another episode. Like I need to know what happens. I need some closure. (laughs) I can't have these emotional hangovers every week. Like it's can't do it. Um, don't have the patience. Uh, so I was the same way. That's why I was trying to remember like, it was like 2017. We were in Carmel. Okay, I was like, I was like, were we married? I'm pretty yeah. sure we were married at that point. So it's been in the last. I have watched the original series at least five times. I watched the cartoon version at least once because there's only oh, like I've never five episodes. <laughs> so there's the cartoons. Those are actually really interesting. Like it's, they're not like what you'd expect. Like the the animation was awkward for me, so I like couldn't get into it. I mean, yeah. But- <laughs> The but time period the of when it was made, right? Like you got to remember, it's you only got so much to work with. You got to think mm-hmm. about like Scooby Doo, man. It's Scooby Doo esque. <laughs> I do like that they have the voices. In space. I think like all the actors came back for yeah. the voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, but it's really it's very like Scooby Doo drawings. Like if you think of like mm-hmm. the old style Scooby Doo, yep. like where they're like you have some colors kind of blending together where they quite shouldn't be. You're like, oh, yeah, what's yeah. going on over it's there? It's all hand drawn like, oh, animation. The animator didn't have enough cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me wake up a little bit. Um, but yeah, so like I've seen those. I've only watched them once because it was only it was very short. Like it only lasted a little bit of time. Like that was kind of like their attempt to like keep it going, and it didn't really go anywhere. Um, I've definitely watched TNG. Like six times <laughs> all the way through. 
Um, I've definitely watched Voyager at least twice all the way through, but there are certain episodes oh. like I'll be like, oh, that's stuck in my head, and like whatever. Um, and Deep Space Nine, I've definitely watched at least three times. Um, I have a hard time with Deep Space Nine because at like the end gets a little wonky for me like i get like why it had to go the way it did but i'm like eh, i'm not really whole like him wandering around the desert that's why yeah. I'm, like, I'm i'm out like i'm out now like ugh. like after i get stabbed i'm like cool this could have gone so well like there could have been so many cool things like after cisco gets stabbed in like the alley at his dad's like restaurant i'm like yes, agreed let's get some shit all, and then he's like just ends up in the desert and you're like oh, okay all that wormhole alien like profit stuff is weird in that series but other than it's that, interesting I think it's because it's like, depending on your view of like, like religious intensity, right? Like it could either be very offensive, it could be very like eye opening, it could be very like there are two types of religious people, and you have those people who are like this, and you have those people who are like this, and like there's a lot of ways that you can like view that from a certain lens, and it's kind of was like okay, what's well, a kind of a critique on religion and certain zealots who are you know like if you get kai win and you get you know all that stuff and Mm. then so it gets a little crazy um it's really interesting as like a former religious person to like see that (laughs) yeah um so it's it kind of like speaks to me in a way i'm like oh yeah like them starting off as like they're just aliens and then him being like oh my mom was an alien that's kind of weird um (laughs) so it gets strange, but I've caught up on that. I've seen most of uh, Lower Decks. Yeah, you've seen all of Discovery. And I've seen, well, up until the latest release, I've seen all of Discovery. Because I don't, they're on season three right now, right? Season four just yeah. finished. Or season finished. Okay, yeah, so, so I need to. I need to get four. I, yeah. I'm up through three. I've seen all through three. I've got whatever we have here. I just we don't have <laughs> Paramount. Yeah, it's on, on the Dustin Plus. Yeah. yeah, it's on We use Dustin Plus for that. <laughs> but yeah, that's why it was weird because I'm like, I didn't really get into Star Trek until I was an adult. Like, yeah. I was always like, I'm a Star Wars fan. <laughs> um, and I wasn't even a Star Wars fan until I was like in high school. Like, I didn't even know it was a thing. Um, I think when the last, the third, well, the third episode, you know, the third, the third trilogy movie came out, the third of the new of the season third. of Hayden Christensen. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, okay. Like, my dad forced me to watch it. And I was like, whatever. Um, but yeah, so it's like both of these things, I didn't really get into like sci-fi in general until I was an adult. And so it's like interesting for me to like see people like, I've been wanting to do this since I was six years old. And I'm like, well, that's that's some dedication right there. <laughs> right. I'm not quite as not quite as into it as you are, but I'm a fan. You can talk to me mm-hmm. about some things, but I'm not quite gonna be like a. I need to dress up and buy myself some Spock ears just to wear on the regular basis. <laughs> like, no, I'm not gonna do that. But I'm also not gonna buy a stormtrooper costume. But there are plenty of people that own yeah, that man. too. You know, I hear you. If you're willing to do that, man, that is some money, and I am here for it. You do you, but <laughs> I am. I have money to spend on other things. Like, Full-blown yeah, Trekkies. Student loans and <laughs> being an adult and having things. But, yeah, so, I mean, it's all good. I'm just, yeah, not quite that intense, but there are definitely some people who, like, have made their own costumes, like, yeah, it's crazy. part of those posts and everything. But, anyway, let's let Keith read <laughs> so he can learn about. <laughs> yeah, Back to the topic at hand. No, that was great. I, I learned a lot. All right, um, we're talking about the Wrath of Khan. 
Uh, so the plot here we have in 2285, Admiral James T. Kirk oversees a simulator session of Captain Spock's trainees. In the simulation, Lieutenant Savick commands the starship USS Enterprise on a rescue mission to save the crew of the damaged ship Kobayashi Maru. But it is attacked by Klingon cruisers and critically damaged. The simulation is a no-win scenario designed to test the character of the Starfleet officers. Later, Dr. McCoy visits Kirk on his birthday. Seeing Kirk in low spirits due to his age, the doctor advises Kirk to get a new command instead of growing old behind a desk. Yeah, so the Kobayashi Maru is pretty huge in, I guess, later Star Trek, because this is the first we're hearing of it. But uh, it's a no-win scenario. We see... Uh, Kirstie Alley attempting it in this movie. Uh, but in the first J.J. Abrams movie, we get to see James T. Kirk actually attempt it and find out that he, I guess he, he re- rewrote the software or something to, to you find out about it later it. in this movie. That's true. Yeah, too. You find yeah. out that he cheated but we actually later see in this it. movie, technically, but you actually yeah. see what he did and like how he's like just sitting there eating an apple, being a dick about it. You're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But he says, I think later in the film, he's like, I don't believe in no-win scenarios, so I yeah. he said that, altered the yeah, both program. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then we also see, it's. I think in Lower Decks, they play it out, like one of the characters goes on the holodeck or something in mm-hmm. the yeah. Nickelodeon. Is it Boimler? Prod- yeah, I think Boimler does it. And then in Prodigy, he wants to be that, commander. Yeah. that Nickelodeon cartoon, Star Trek cartoon, they do it on there and they have going on in the holodeck and he's got like dr crusher and a couple other characters from like former series as his crew members it's pretty fun but yeah it's huge we hear about kobayashi maru like a billion times in the star trek series it's one of those like psychological exams where you like can't really practice for it you just gotta see how you react right so it's like a complete like you have to go into enemy territory and save your you know people on another ship when you know if you go in enemy territory, you're probably going to get shot down and everyone in your crew is going to die yeah. too. Or, but you can't just like let some your treaty. people out there die. Yeah. Or yeah, something major is happening. Like you're doing a huge geopolitical chaos. <laughs> but it's really just to test captains in a no-win scenario and see how they deal with like death and whatnot. And on top of the acting of the actual actors, the acting of the characters in this simulation is hilarious to me as well. Yeah, <laughs> like when the when the when the ship explodes, then you see like all the people people die. Like, oh. <laughs> they it's die like, oh, so dramatically. Ahura just dies on her console, and, and like the other, uh, I don't remember who else was like Spock, like Sue like onto jumps the floor. up and falls yeah. over. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. Like <laughs> Bones does like a swan dive sideways. <laughs> It's like, like well, this is a hell of a way to open the movie. Everybody dies, and then you realize it's just a they're faking it. <laughs> yeah, of the of all the Star Trek movies, like the, the earlier ones, the in the eighties, this was the first one that I watched. I didn't watch any of the TV series first. I went straight to the movies, and I watched this. Half, I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, is, is this a dream? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or are they going to time travel and fix this? Because that happens in some yeah, of the like stuff what? too. <laughs> yeah." A bunch of time traveling in uh, the motion picture, the first one. Jesus Christ. Let's talk about whales. We're not here about whales today. Yeah. No whale song today. I like the whales one. Moving on. 
Meanwhile, the Hall of Justice. Uh, the, the Starship <laughs> Reliant is on a mission to search for a lifeless planet to test the Genesis device, a technology designed to reorganize dead matter into ha- habitable worlds. Reliant Officer Commander Pavel Chekhov and Captain Clark Terrell beam down to evaluate a planet they believe to be SETI Alpha 6. Once there, they're captured by the genetically engineered tyrant Khan Noonien Singh, explaining that they are on SETI Alpha 5. Fifteen years prior, Kirk exiled Khan and fellow supermen to SETI Alpha 5 after they attempted to take over his ship. The neighboring planet exploded, devastating the surface of SETI Alpha 5. Khan implants Chekhov and Terrell with indigenous eel larvae, which killed several of his followers, including his wife, that render them susceptible to mind control and uses them to capture Reliant. Learning of the Genesis device, Khan attacks Space Station Regula 1, where the device is being developed by Kirk's former lover, Dr. Carol Marcus, and their son, David. I have so many things to say, but I sh- do you want me to wait? Or can we, are we talking it. about it intermittently? Okay. Yeah, every paragraph will stop and talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So the important thing about there's many important things in this topic, right? So Genesis <laughs> device lot. being this like huge deal, like this huge research project where they're gonna like be able to take dead planets and make them into like habitable worlds for everyone to come and live because of overpopulation. Um which is really freaking cool. And it's a theme that kind of comes up multiple times later in other series as well. It feels like it goes against well, I guess, I mean, it feels like it goes against the Prime Directive, but I guess there's no civilization there that they're fucking right. with. But Right. Like, it's a dead like changing, Altering the planets is seems like going against that anyways. That's what Dr. McCoy is worried about. He's like, think about it. You could just probably kill an entire species of people. Yeah, just because we don't see of- them doesn't mean they don't exist. <laughs> right. Well, that's why there's like the scanning and all that stuff that they have mm. to do to check. And then if they even get anything, they have to go down there and figure out what it is and do all that stuff. So, I mean, it's not like there's not checks and balances there. But, yeah, it definitely could be used inappropriately, right? Yeah. Like, that's a huge deal. And who knows? Like, in Discovery and stuff, there's always stuff that doesn't pick up on their scans that is is life forms. So, it's like there could right. be things that we just don't know, understand. Right, right. So, like, if you go back to the original series, right, like the life forms that weren't really life forms, like the silicone-based life, all these things that we didn't really expect to be, like, life, but when that's carbon isn't the primary element of a world, it could be multiple things. Um, So that's really cool. I thought that was pretty interesting. I also, like, felt the, like, Christian reference calling it Genesis, which I thought was pretty interesting. interesting. I was like, okay, whatever, you know. I mean, it makes sense. It's also generating, right? So there's multiple uses of that term. Um, But the interesting thing here, there's two things that, like, catch me about when they first go down to the planet, right? They're, like, living in these shipping containers, which I was like, so when Kirk, uh, like, just let them go to the planet. I guess backing up to the space seed, they must have just... I thought they just transported them down there, but I guess they shot them in shipping containers because they leave them on SETI like, Alpha. Where did these come from? They they just abandoned them on SETI Alpha Five because they don't really know what to do with them. It, well, the thing that bumped me was like they, the Federation didn't realize a whole planet exploded. SETI Alpha Six was destroyed, and they just like yeah, completely no one noticed. <laughs> and then they go to right. the wrong. Or planet. someone did notice, 
Kirk didn't say anything in his captain's report, right? Because technically he was probably supposed to do something else Keep with eyes them on if these. they were going to try and yeah. well, not even that. Like they probably should have gone to a penal colony, right? Like I feel mm-hmm. like he made an executive decision and like as That's we've right. seen in the other movies, he doesn't necessarily always tell everyone the whole mm-hmm. story. Right. So we have a captain who chooses to make decisions based on what he thinks is morally correct or correct for that situation and then doesn't actually follow up and or provide that information to anyone else. Um, So if Kirk is the only person who knows that they're there, why would anyone at Starfleet feel like they need to follow up? Yeah. Right. But that's a that's a question mark. Right. So, like, does anyone know that they're there? So who knows? Well, Chekhov apparently does. And I rewatched the episode earlier today and Chekhov's not even in that episode. (laughs) So apparently he told him at least. (laughs) So there's, so there's multiple fan theories about Chekhov's and Khan's interaction where he's like, Oh, I never forget a face. So he had to come face to face with him at some point. Right. And so like, there's a theory, right. that that. In the books, Apparently, there's oh. a section about this being a thing, right? Which isn't technically canon, so you can debate that. What you know, if you want to talk about it not being canon, whatever. Um, but there is a section in the book that says that um, Chekhov was an officer; he was just working night shift, and he wasn't promoted to day shift until after that occurrence. <laughs> and so he had seen him like in passing, right? Like being on the ship and in the sick bay or whatever. And so, like, he was on night shift, so he just like interacted with him minimally but with Khan being like a superhuman super super intelligent and having access to like all of the ship's databases he could have gone through the whole crew list and probably been like oh yeah i remember you like yeah even if he just went through like the officer list so he knew who, who to target to like get certain information so he could take control of the ship later in the episode right like you're gonna figure out who your weak links are and you're gonna like rah, 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 pull the chains <laughs> Sed- on these people um, seduces the random so. woman of the week and <laughs> gets her to help oh hmm. She was already obviously infatuated with him because she was an anthropologist and a historian. For, from the nineties, so. a historian of the nineties. I mean, apparently <laughs> there's a whole world war. I mean, we have people yeah, who I guess. Study, you know the world wars now. So if that was a whole tumultuous period, it might have a bunch of interest. Right. Hell, uh, PhDs uh, study a three-year period of Ireland, yeah. and that's their dissertation is on those three years. So it's. It's entirely plausible. And to catch people up if they're unfamiliar with uh, SETI Alpha 5 versus SETI Alpha 6, uh, 5 exploded and pushed 6, or 6 exploded and pushed 5 off of its axis, which made it inhabitable. And that's why it looked all terrible and shitty. Yeah. These people only survived because they're superhumans. That's why Meredith or whatever, the the person that uh, was working for the on the enterprise was left there too and she's not in this movie because she must have died she couldn't survive yeah and the interesting about her yeah is he never actually mentions her name right so we're not like "Mm, is it we don't know um but actually the real reason why she's not in the movie the actress um has ms and so she couldn't do the movie because of her condition and yeah. so because she couldn't really stand and do the whole like acting bit like and they didn't want her to be in a wheelchair because obviously it would be hard to have a wheelchair on situation that, like, right planet. <laughs> um or whatever right so like you couldn't really have her like have aesthetics <laughs> or have anything like a support like for her to act in this movie without them right. um and so she couldn't be in the movie even though she wanted to be um because it just didn't make sense of the storyline so that's why they're like 
they kind of reference her as being like dead but they don't really say her name right so it's kind of like mm-hmm. okay um but yeah so it was interesting that i found that out i was like oh well that kind of sucks like yeah otherwise she would have been in the movie and then the whole marcus thing wait who's is marcus the captain the other captain carol no. marcus is the carol oh marcus carol her next uh, carol marcus it slept with kirk yeah so that's the name that repeats throughout the thing because we got marcus in like multiple places across multiple movies and i was trying to figure out if like there was a reason for that last name choice like there's a reason behind Khan's Noonien Singh being a name mm-hmm. choice that pervasive it's pervasive throughout um Trek which we can go into that later if you want um but the Noonien Singh part is like a huge story like a whole part of um because Gene Roddenberry, Roddenberry was like friends with somebody with that name or something like that in his yeah life. during World War II he was trying to fi- like he was trying to connect with someone he used to serve with in World War II that he got really close to and so he used his name so that way, hopefully, he would reach out and try and, like, if he'd ever, like, aired overseas, his friend would reach out and try and contact the creator of the series. That way, he could reunite with his friend. So it's pretty cool. Like, he used that name over and over again. And there's a lot of fan theories, like, that Gene Roddenberry misheard him. Like, it's <laughs> not, like, a really common name. And they're like, oh, maybe it was, like, Nguyen. Like, Nguyen. Like, mm. N-G-Y-U-E-N. Like, that last name that's really common, right? Um and then Singh is obviously super common. Uh, but yes, and Khan's a relatively common name too, I guess, uh, from what I've seen. Like, mm-hmm. There's, again, multiple fan theories about this, but it was pretty interesting Like to think like, you know, you become someone and you can like pop some names in wherever you want to try and like connect with people. That was pretty cool. But yeah, the Marcus thing, I don't know if that was just a choice that they used to, you know, link the old Trek to the new Kelvin timeline with the new mm-hmm. movies, but. Moving on. All right. Kirk assumes command of the Enterprise after the ship, deployed on a training cruise, receives a distress call from Regular One. En route, Enterprise is ambushed and crippled by Reliant. Khan offers to spare Kirk's crew if they relinquish all material related to Genesis. Kirk instead stalls for time and remotely lowers Reliant's shields, enabling a counterattack. Khan is forced to retreat and effect repairs, while Enterprise limps to Regular One. Kirk, McCoy, and Savick beam to the station and find Terrell and Chekhov alive, along with the slaughtered members of Marcus's team. They soon find Carol and David hiding Genesis deep inside the nearby planetoid. Khan, having used Terrell and Chekhov as spies, orders them to kill Kirk. Terrell resists the eel's influence and kills himself, while Chekhov collapses as the eel leaves his body. Khan transports Genesis aboard the Reliant, intending to maroon Kirk on a lifeless planetoid. Con, but is tricked by Kirk and Spock's <laughs> coded arrangements uh, for a rendezvous. Kirk directs Enterprise to the nearby Mutura Nebula. Conditions inside the nebula render shields useless and compromised targeting systems, making Enterprise and Reliant evenly matched. Spock notes that Khan's tactics indicate inexperience in three-dimensional combat, which Kirk exploits to disable Reliant. All right. A ton happened here. So they... Uh, Genesis is on this while well, they're like working on this inside this planet. I, the, the, mm-hmm. the geography was confusing to me a little bit, but they beam down yeah. to this like inside this planet to yeah. where David and Marcus and all those people are working on Genesis. And then Khan is going to uh, maroon them there, but I guess it's all part of Kirk's plan because he doesn't believe in no wins scenario. So all this like pops up again <laughs> and he's been planning this from the beginning with Spock. And uh, Christy Alley had no idea what was going on, even though she was supposed to like be the captain of the ship. 
you lied. <laughs> Why are you showing so much like emotion? <laughs> Savic. Spoiler alert, because she's not Vulcan. Um, she's got fake ears. <gasps> she's cut in cosplay. No, she don't have fake ears. <laughs> no, those are her real ears. She's just not Vulcan. Oh. She, um, she, have you not like seen the one? Search for Spock? Uh-huh. I, it's been so, so long since I've seen it. I, I don't even remember. I forgot. I forgot the endings. And I was like, Dustin, we still have a whole section where we're going to learn that Kirstie Alley is Romulan. And I was like, oh, wait. No. <laughs> Shit, like, I forgot all about that. <laughs> I was like, damn it. I was all excited to get a whole like, ah, twist at the end. And I was like, oh, no, the twist at the end is just death. That's in a different okay, movie. <laughs> different movie. I got them all con- added together because it's just one long storyline. Yeah, it takes place over like three movies. Oh, and then they've got these little eels thing. I didn't, guess we didn't really touch on those, but they put these little space worms inside of Chekhov. And I don't remember the other captain's Captain name. Captain Terrell. But mm-hmm. Yeah, they so they're being mind controlled by, or susceptive to mind control from Khan because of these little space worms. And so they're fucking over yeah, it Captain was gross. Kirk. Yeah, they didn't like realize it. But, it like, was really when gross. he like pulls them out of the back of the other like mama eels. And yeah, you, like, see him like squeeze her, and she like just like all these babies like ooze out of her back. I'm like, this is like frogs. Like, what's happening here? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was gross. And then like just shove them in their suits and like put their helmets on. Like, Hi, <laughs> yeah, they put them in their helmets and then stick ear. them on their heads. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, so these just know to like crawl into people's brains. Like that's just what they do. They just know. That's where they like okay. to live, I guess. I guess. <laughs> But you just, like, shove it in someone's spacesuit, and you just hope that they go in the right hole? Like, I don't know. What happens if it crawled in his nose? Would it still go to his brain? <laughs> Good question. I don't know. All holes lead to the brain. There you go. Uh, I mean, mm, I guess. Some holes that take longer. Longer routes. <laughs> some holes just take longer. Take longer yeah. <laughs> it's a longer route, but it'll probably get there. Go up his asshole, <laughs> somehow end up in his brain. You just have to, like, burrow to a nearest blood vessel and, like, phew, right in. But, yeah. So, that was interesting. Um I was going to ask Pale what he thought of uh, Khan's breast. (laughs) That's not yet. I guess you do see it now. Yeah, he's been introduced at this point, so he's kind of always in the same clothes. You could have fooled me telling me it was real. His deep V. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't think about how old the the actor was. So, like, probably he did lose some, like, muscle mass in his biceps and triceps and just, you know, the chest. Still got that He just probably did, like. 500 push-ups a day <laughs> did like the That's dumbbell what they said, right like when they when they interviewed him they're like did you wear a prosthetic and he's like no and they're like how did you get your chest and he was like lots of push-ups mm-hmm. <laughs> just like lots and lots of push-ups and i was like all right yes sir it looked and he was like six fake years and old. i couldn't tell I yeah know, i just couldn't tell either i thought for sure it was fake just I did too well, until his, I did my research, man. The outfit he's wearing makes it look fake too, because he's got like this like vest on that kind of only just shows like the center cleavage, uh, <laughs> and it's huge. <laughs> yes, it's got a deep V cut and it flares, so it's like extra yeah. like accentuated. And you're like, oh, okay, he probably sure. did push ups on the set like, before they filmed it. And <laughs> exactly, it, it he made it even bigger. Th- that's like what The Rock does when he wants like his muscles to look big for a shot. He just like does push-ups in between takes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Doesn't he also like drink alcohol to make him more vascular? Or what was? What oh, was I bet. It? I don't remember. Because he does like, have his own tequila. Yeah. He's probably got that on, like, oh, yeah. on the side. <laughs> 
Well, there's like something like anybody who like does like body or semi bodybuilding like for acting like they like will either just drink alcohol to like make their veins pop out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, My veins are always popping. (laughs) All the alcohol. (laughs) So that's a, it's a thing, man. But I definitely thought it was fake too. But that's the first time you hear the con. (laughs) And I always think it's a lot longer, but when he says it, it's super short. And I'm like, I feel like it's more A's. It's been memeified to where it seems more outrageous than it actually is in the movie. Yeah. I mean, it is Shatner, so I feel like it's deserved, but, you know. But yeah, the two hours versus two days good thing. in these movies. Mm-hmm. William Shatner. I mean, just generally, though, right? Like, <laughs> but yeah. He's kind of cheesy or, I don't know, like, he's more of like yeah. a B-movie actor or something. Like, <clears throat> he's not, like, the top-tier actor, but he's still pretty good. So can we talk about the, the one guy on... The uh, Reliant, who is part of the crew, who fights Khan with every decision he makes. Oh, yeah. Because he just wants to leave, and Khan's, like, obsessed (laughs) with fighting Kirk. And he's like, we could just, like, we we have a spaceship. We can just go anywhere and do whatever we want. He's like, but I got to deal with Khan, or Kirk. (laughs) Yeah. Khan basically was like, I do everything. He's just so cocky. Yeah, he's like, everybody on my command follows me for whatever. And then mm-hmm. you have the one dude who's like front center is like, you know what, man? Uh, probably shouldn't do this. You should, you know, probably go. Can we leave? <laughs> he's like, must crush Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe you weren't so obsessed with Kirk, we would have not been uh, left on set of Alpha 5 to begin with. Well, if they just would have been like, cool. We don't need your ship. We can go take over the space station when you drop us off. Then they'd have a whole space right. station. They could have had all the ships. <laughs> they could have had all the ships that came into the space station if they just would have waited till they got to the space station. He could have had all the things. Yeah. And they could have went and done multiple planets. And they could have, or if they did this plan and they ended up here still, they could have taken the Genesis device and literally gone and made a planet and done their yeah. thing. And then whatever they wanted. Because he had it. Like, they had everything they needed. <laughs> and, but he's still they obsessed did. with, like, destroying Kirk and the Enterprise and all that. And Kirk knew it, right? Because he played that up when he was like, mm-hmm. you have Genesis, but you don't have me. You haven't killed me. Exactly. You won't kill me. Like, ha Like, I'm going to play up your ego so that way you feel like you have to. He, he knows how to push his buttons. And that's what's great yeah. about Kirk in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uses that to his advantage. He actually shows like some pretty good captaining. Unlike mm-hmm. in Space Seed, where he's just like, I'm just going to make a decision, and I don't care what the right. Starfleet has to say about it. I'm just going to put these people on a planet, and that's what it is. Like They're freaking war criminals who freaking can take over half of the the world, and you're just going to be like, eh, they'll well, be fine on this planet. Whatever's there is fine. It's not a problem. We don't have to worry about them. Also, in that episode, we learned that Khan has five times the strength of a normal man, but Kirk beats him in, like, a fist fight. <laughs> he has, like, a metal something that he pulls Pole type thing like, he pulls something he pulls off, off of, like, yeah, he pulls something off of something in engineering and is, like, beating him over the head. Yeah. So, like, there's a, he gets a little assist. But, yeah, because, like, if you think of, like, a Vulcan having two times the strength of a human, technically, or mm-hmm. whatever it's supposed to be, like, I feel like... 
the effort displayed by Khan pretty much mocks or is the same as Spock's anger in the episode where they get high on those spores and they become like <laughs> just pleasantly pleased with everything, right? Like it's the same level of intensity in that fight as mm-hmm. he fights with Khan. So I'm like, I feel like you don't actually see Khan's full strength or if they Maybe. do, then you're doing, he's not doing enough. Right, he's just a horrible fighter. Somehow he took over half the planet, but he's not a very good fighter. Right, like I'm like I feel like we're missing something here. I mean, I guess he was asleep for like, you know, that's true. So maybe there's a little sleep hangover, but a little hangover, I guess. But I feel like I'm missing something. Did almost die in that uh, little capsule thing that they woke him from. So maybe there's some effects from that. When your heartbeat is like four beats per minute, you're like, well. You know, it's a little rough. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Anything else about this section? I'm trying to remember. The whole Chekhov knowing who he is. Oh, and then the Chekhov and Terrell, like, lying to them was pretty interesting. Like, Yeah, that I like, didn't oh. see coming. He's like, oh, I have a worm in my head. <laughs> yeah. And Well, he tells them that he had it. Yeah. And then he tells them later that it's still there. He's like, ha I thought you, I thought I got rid of it, but I didn't. I tricked you. There, so now I'm going to kill you. <laughs> And then, yeah, Terrell to be able to be like, kill himself instead of kill. That was pretty cool. Like, intense. You're like, oh shit. You just see his like little body like go all red and glowy, and you're like, oh damn. <laughs> like, that was, yeah. that's Captain 101 right there. Because Khan orders him to shoot Kirk, and then he's just like, you see his arm shaking, and he's like, turning the gun towards himself instead. Yeah. That's a pretty good scene. I was like, it's pretty good. You're like, I feel you. Like, I was like, why the only black man got to kill himself? I don't know. But <laughs> That's true. Good on you, you, sir, for making that decision instead of killing somebody it. else. Yeah, I know. I have a stupid pale question. I was like, that would have been okay. more intense. This is Dustin's favorite segment, the <laughs> stupid pale question. Is the um, episode from the series in the same timeline as the movie? Everything uh, is in the same timeline except for the J.J. Abrams movies. So, like, yeah. uh, the encounter so, and the episode happen, like, in the movie. Like, that's relevant in the movies, too? Previous, yeah. Yeah, so the encounter okay. in the TV show happens first. And then because of how well it was received, they pretty much used that to create a movie. Right? So, like, oh, okay, it was a continuation you. of the storyline. So, oh, at okay, first yeah, that's in basically the TV what I was show, wanting to know. they wake him up, and they're like, okay, you were asleep for 200 years. You were a bad guy. And you do bad things on the ship and try to take it over. So we put you on this planet with all of your people to do your thing. And then the movie picks up from the planet was destroyed next to them, which effed up their planet. And so now we're like picking up the fact that it's however many years later. Yeah, and he's an old we man. We accidentally go back and see him again. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. It's like a, oh, look at this ironic outcome of things where we didn't expect to find you here, even though I totally know you were on the planet next to it. <laughs> right <laughs> supposedly yeah, and he's a superman happen. like you would think they weren't gonna develop space travel at least to the next planet over like one planet anyone over. who would put a planet right next to that is probably dumb why would you think like check if Chekhov knew him Chekhov knew what had happened like why would he not well, be like hmm, i like when Chekhov like notices like oh this uh tanker thing we're in is from the botany bay oh we got to get out of here because botany bay is the ship they happen across in that episode of star trek where Uh they find Khan, and he's like oh no this this isn't going to be good we got to leave and then they're ambushed yeah 
they're all just sitting outside, like waiting, and they're like little desert like face masks. And like, <laughs> it's like they took like Jawas and mixed them with yeah, like <laughs> with the, the sand people, <laughs> Superman, Tuscan yeah, Raiders, like, Tuscan Raidered into <laughs> Star Trek. I was like, it's kind of right, like it's pretty much what it is. But yes, that's a good question. So, fine question. I guess uh, I have a question. Why are they all uh, like? Were they <laughs> out on the planet exploring? Are they? Did they know Chekhov was going to be in there? Like, what were they all doing that they weren't in their little bunker? Nobody was in protecting home. They're all just out in the sand. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you don't think anyone's going to show up ever, right? Like, yeah, whatever. I don't know what you would Every- be doing though. Like, if there's nothing out there, <laughs> yeah, what are they doing? And it's a desert Looking- sandstorm, and it's like going crazy. We're all just going to go out in the sand together, guys. It's a team building Maybe- exercise. <laughs> I guess maybe they knew the Enterprise was in the area. They have some sensors or they saw it in the sky. I don't know. Yeah, I they didn't really see any, explain like... that. Yeah, I didn't really see much technical equipment inside those bunkers, though, right? So, like, they had yeah. enough to have, like, a little, like, encapsulating thing where they kept the... Whatever those creatures were, those little sluggy dudes. <laughs> right. um, so they had some technology to, like, keep them in a container, right? So they didn't die. So they had some stuff. I just... Maybe they did have, like tricorder or something that's like mm, life forms but then they would still be there like i guess it depends on how long they were walking around on the planet before they ran into those crates right or those shipping mm-hmm. containers essentially yeah it's for them to like make a plan like if they could sense that they were there that's a good question we don't know they didn't say all right let's move on to the final okay i'm gonna punt this paragraph. one to pale <clears throat> he can read something he's been quiet too <laughs> Mortally wounded, Khan activates Genesis. Though Kirk's crew detects the activation and attempts to move out of range, they will not be able to escape the nebula in time without the ship's inoperable warp drive. Spock goes to restore warp power in the engine room, which is flooded with radiation. When McCoy tries to prevent Spock's entry, Spock incapacitates him with a Vulcan nerve pinch and performs a mind meld, telling him to remember... Spock repairs the warp drive and Enterprise escapes the explosion, which forms a new planet. Before dying of radiation poisoning, Spock urges Kirk not to grieve, as his decision to sacrifice himself to save the ship's crew was a logical one. The movie ends with Spock's friends hosting a space burial for Spock. This is where the uh, Spock's uh, lives of the many are... Many needs, outweigh the lives of the needs one. of the many outweigh the needs of the few yeah, or whatever. Or the one, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. It was sad. Big sad spot. Big sad. Yeah, super sad. Super sad. They switch it up in the remake and uh Captain Kirk yeah, is the inside the thing and Spock's on the outside. Yeah, the the Kirk version of it is a little bit more intense. He's kicking the re- reactor alignment mm-hmm. downward with anticipation of it going up to where it needs to. So he just kicks it down. Maybe for a ricochet. I don't know what it was. But for <laughs> Spock, all, all it was was... He like blasts his face like with radiation. Pulled a thing. He like opens <laughs> yeah. the thing and he's like... He opens it and it's just like... <laughs> yeah, it's like a whole spray. You're like, oh, God. It's like he, need, he needed to grab tissues out of the trash can to fix... The radiation problem. He's like, oh, this is it. I'm grabbing the things I need. Let me For the put, warp drive, yeah, yeah. Let me put the 
Let me put the the lid back on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, I like the right. whole nebula thing. Like, let's go hide in this nebula. They won't be able to see us. They can't use like all their sensors will be uh, ruined yeah. or whatever, like foggy or whatever, so they can't see us, and then we can sneak up on them. I thought that was a good idea. And is- the same situation where that hero of a commander was like, dude, we can't go in there after them. Yeah, we won't be like, able to see the them. Yeah. Just, just shoot let's at leave. them from here. And Cobb's like, fuck your decision. I'm the man. We're going <laughs> yeah. in after him. Going in after him. And this is one of the few like Star Treks where they actually like three-dimensional space you don't have yeah. to run right into someone like yeah, you go over them hype. under them around them there's a like, z yeah. axis here like you not just not x every, and y there's yeah. z like it's not like cars where you're like either before them or after them <laughs> right it's like one of the times where they're like we could go under him and come <laughs> up behind him and be sneaky mm-hmm. and that's like the only time that like they make a point of being like z access exists mm-hmm. like i'm like so many times so many fights the klingons could have been avoided if you just want to run like <laughs> just down go down or, or up <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't have to go straight yeah, so many times it's, you're not there's not one plane you have, you have multiple areas of existence yeah so that's one of the things i like really appreciated about this movie i was like yes finally someone acknowledges 3d movement in the space <laughs> and the, like even flat. this this description says like uh, kirk's playing 3d tre- chess while khan's just playing normal chess or something like that mm-hmm. uh, and then the whole spock death scene is super sad and then the thing i couldn't realize remember or figure out is were they shooting his casket into that planet or did I guess did Spock know that this was the plan to bring him back because he I guess spoiler for the next movie he like gives all his memories <gasps> to Dr. McCoy so that way he can give them back to him later yeah. <laughs> like so he must have known that he was gonna go onto the Genesis planet and be reborn yeah as a baby. it's kind of like a weird like how why why did he do that in the first place like unless he had some like foreknowledge but like there's no guarantee that if his casket was shot there that it would be included in the rebirth section right yeah exactly you would think that it's it takes inert material and makes it into the planet but since it was already started does it accept new material as it's (laughs) like growing you know what i mean like you don't really know if it doesn't make Spock part of the planet it just like turns him into a little baby (laughs) Right, it's just like reborn inside his little, little caskety dudes just hanging there. And that's a weird thing, right? Because like, if they were going to say that all inert material is reborn, why isn't his clothes and casket and all of those things mm. also turned into other things? Just yeah. him. Just him. Just his body, but not, not the other inert materials that aren't alive. And then They'll he... stay there. I guess he like ages quickly back into leonard nimoy but then stops aging (laughs) once he reaches the age he died at (laughs) yeah i don't uh, yeah that's it's strange because it's like he is young for like 0.2 seconds and (laughs) like you know vulcans are supposed to like last to like 300 years old or whatever right so Mm -hmm. it's like it's also when the casket lands it's already done genesis yeah the genesis uh, like the trees already are grown around the casket so how did how long did they float 
or how long did his casket float in space before it yeah. caught the orbit? <laughs> and then get pulled down. Yeah. Because what the planet was up in six minutes. Well, she, well, Dr. Marcus, when she shows Kirk that whole section where we talk about the Kobayashi Maru and Savik's mm. like, well, if I'm going to die here, just tell me what you did. And he was like, I cheated. Um, I che- yeah. <laughs> well, Dr. McCoy is like, he cheated. Uh, <laughs> but she said, like, the advanced life forms took like three days. Right. So, like, it's still a question, though, of like, is it all the inert material at the starting point? Or can inert material be added and it still creates something during the Mm -hmm. process? So I'm like, it doesn't really answer the question, but you know it takes at least three days for higher life forms to form based on her experiments inside the planetoid that they were on. So it's like, well, it kind of makes sense if it took them a couple days to get there. Um, Because they were far enough away that they didn't get impacted by the explosion, right? But not too far away that they didn't get there. So... So and then was it their plan to shoot this onto the planet in hopes that this would happen, or do they always shoot Starfleet <laughs> officers out into space and just Whee! let them bounce around <laughs> when they die? I think it's that one. I think it's that one. I, I honestly think it was happenstance. They've done that before, like where um, I thought so. I forget, I I've seen it in. Voyager. I think in Discovery they do it too, or they just like shoot somewhere yeah. and a dead person out in space. They just well, it's like you're already drifting through, like you're wanting to explore space, so you're gonna keep doing yeah. it after you die. So there you go. Seems a little yeah. bit like littering to me. Space junk. <laughs> just, just throwing trash out in space. <laughs> That's my main problem with Star Wars. They just eject <laughs> their trash out of the back of their thing before they jump into hyperspace. I don't see Star Trek doing that. It's going to come back as a giant <laughs> ball of garbage. Future on the ticket is. We're going to make another ball of garbage and shoot it back into space. <laughs> to bounce. It has to be the same consistency. Back into the sun. Yeah. Manhattan hasn't had garbage in a thousand years. But enough tying all of my fandoms together um <laughs> but yeah the whole like spock like just happened to like giving mccoy like part of his existence and or memories is just like super strange i don't know if like so if assume we like he has no idea what's gonna happen is he like just trying to balance out mccoy you know what i mean oh maybe like, you just need you McCoy's just need a little bit a of logic in your life <laughs> like, like, yeah you just need, i just need to like touch your face so we can like calm you down just to scotch docked yeah like just take it down or, two notches. Yeah. He a little wants, bit of Vulcan in maybe your life. It's just like, just remember. Because all he does is say, like, remember and, like, touches his face. So maybe he just, like, yeah. wants someone to carry all, all on my memories, not necessarily give them back to me once I'm reborn as a baby. <laughs> right. It's just like, I need somebody to experience my existence with me. Right. Mm-hmm. So he I, never do really. We, do we see other Vulcans die and do this? ritual where maybe it's what they always do is like if i'm dying do they give away their memories or like share their life well like the thing right is in like enterprise and the older treks like the whole mind melding thing is frowned upon right so that in yeah that's what i this thought. time period right so it's just recently become a thing that's accepted right because if you if you take enterprise Scott Bakula included, um, mm-hmm. the whole Tapol thing, using it to like what I forget what she did. She used it for something, and then she <laughs> she had it done to her right, and it was like they almost treated it like a rape case, right? Because oh, like wow. she was mind melded with 
against her wishes. And so, like, it was treated on Enterprise as, like, this is almost like an assault. Um, because, like, I, I didn't someone's see mind interjected with hers and it was like a huge deal um and it was also at the end like the very end of the series when they like kind of are like winding down and she's (laughs) kind of like dating chip tucker and like it gets a little weird um it's just kind of like interesting like it becomes a this like point of contention within vulcan culture right so the whole mind melding thing is very like eh, like taboo um and so the first time you really see spock do it is with that like silicone creature right the with the little nodules in that planet where they're getting attacked by like this little demon i think it's called like the episode's called like demon or something like demon silicone something or other um but with the miners and these little silicone nodules and they Mm. find out that this is a silicone based life form and these little nodules that they're finding and like just smashing and doing whatever the fuck with were actually her eggs or if she was the last living life form, then she is taking care of all of these eggs and these miners are being dicks and just smashing the shit out of all her eggs. So she's pissed and she's killing them all, right? Because they're hmm. killing her, essentially. And so, like, that's the first time you really see a mind meld in the, the original, original series, series is him doing it to a creature that they could have no other contact with. Which right, gives there's no form of creature, language to communicate with. So It that's gives this creature in enough this... information to, like, communicate. Yeah. So it's interesting because it's not like, I mean, Spock kind of says like, it's a big deal. Like, I really don't want to just do it with a random creature. Like, he's like, I don't <laughs> yeah. really think this is a good idea. Like, I don't know what I'm going to get or how this is going to affect me. I'm like, it's a silicone based like lava creature. Like, what am I, how am I going to be able to interpret its emotions and its history and all those things? Like. It's like asking me to communicate with like a, a snail. Like I don't, I don't know how to communicate with <laughs> by a snail. letting it into your um, brain. Basically, exactly. Apparently, and so yeah, it's just really interesting because it's it shows the evolution of the the mind meld as being something super taboo to being like I don't really want to do it to like well shit fuck it throw it on there like let's mm. go because you know te- in he he teaches Picard to do it in Next Generation when he comes yeah, back for right? that episode. Well, no, his dad, right? Because his yeah, dad that, uh, yeah, his dad. Mm-hmm. And so Sarek uses it to have Picard experience all his emotions mm-hmm. because he can't control them anymore, right? So, like, it was an interesting question that was posed, right? Like, as far as do they do this as part of, like, a death ritual? The only other time we would have seen, like, a true Vulcan death ritual would have been with Sarek. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he had already mind-melded with Picard. So even if we, he would have felt like that was something necessary to do, he's already shared his entire experience with Picard up until we go and situation where Spock has, where they think he's um, defected to Romulus, that whole like storyline yes. where like uh, Picard and data go to Romulus to try and figure out what the hell, like why is Spock in Romulus? He's trying um, to reunite he's to do the, the, right. The, the reunification two. project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's interesting because up until that point, Picard already knows pretty much everything about Sarek's life and has all of his emotions and all of his feelings and everything else. So, like, that's the only other time we would have seen a Vulcan, yeah. like, death, um, even though he doesn't technically die until later and we don't see <laughs> that. We just hear about it. But, yeah. So, that's the only instance I can think of. And since he's already shared his existence with someone, it's like, you don't know. Yeah. Um, It's interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting. It's a good question. I feel like that'd be kind of cool way to, like, pass on, like, generational mm-hmm. stories. 
right? Like from grandparents and stuff, like things you wouldn't necessarily know about your your own history or your own culture. Like it'd be cool, like, like know stuff about like down. the Great Depression and like you know when our families came over. You know, all of us. I'm, I'm not Native American at all, so like interesting to know like histories of like wherever we came from, like France, Germany, like all those kind of cool places, England, whatever. Um, so it'd be kind of interesting, you know. The kind of backstory goes into the trill thing, like how the trill just moved mm. from one body to the next and keep all those memories for generations and generations, but. Yeah, yeah, that's and it's different similar. hosts, right? So it's right. like yeah. you get but they more have the variation. Host, mm-hmm, to explain, the trill is like a little worm that goes from host to host, but it'll go on for generations. So you just keep passing this worm down the line or to do the next person. And so you have all the memories from the previous one. So you'll have memories for th- like the previous thousand years, however long this little Dang, worm has I been like living. <clears throat> yeah, overall, I love yeah. this movie. It, I think... When we did our top 100 sci-fi movies on our 200th episode, this was like in the top 10, maybe, which... Oh, wow. It's pretty fair. I think it's always ranks as like the number one Star Trek movie in all lists, so I thought it was a good starting point for our... Because we've never done a Star Trek episode in six years. Oh, wow. That's why this one's almost two hours. And we had to call in an expert. (laughs) Sorry, Dustin. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Because, yeah, aside from me, there's not much to get, no, no room really to bounce off of. But Yeah. I'm sitting here like, come on. I could talk about this for hours. So <laughs> just got to tell me to shut the fuck up. We're going to well, have to wrap this one up since we yep. got to the end of the movie. But we'll do another Star Trek episode in the future. I know this year is the like the 40th or 35th anniversary of TNG, so... Maybe we'll have you back on to talk about that. Yes. That's got to be like season by season because otherwise there's way too much content. I know. There's so much. That's a long series. Yeah. It'll have to be like the top 10 TNG moments or something (laughs) just to keep it shorter. Riker with beard, top 10. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the show is not worth watching until he grows his beard. Yeah. I feel another divergent yes. happening. We're a <laughs> yeah, we'll, just, <laughs> just got to cut us off. Let's do it right now. Cutting. Cut right it right off. Now. Yeah. All right. Live, live long and prosper. Uh, live there long. You go. And <laughs> I can't do the thing. Prosper. I'm not a true Trekkie. I can't do it. Oh. I've been practicing this thing <laughs> since I was a kid.